When it comes to conquering temptation, Jesus said, watch and pray. Here's Pastor Xavier. Listen to Proverbs 5, 13-14. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Listen, you can be in church every Sunday and destroy your life through disobedience. Nothing can substitute obedience in your life and mine. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The book of Jeremiah is the prophecy of a heartbroken prophet who labored for more than 40 years, proclaiming to the stiff-necked people of Judah that surrendering to God's will is the only way they would avoid judgment for their continued disobedience. But in stark contrast, chapter 35 has revealed a people who have been the model of obedience in a group of tent-dwelling nomads known as the Rechabites. In today's Simple Truth study, Pastor Xavier highlights this Old Testament example of how a family can follow the Lord instead of conforming to cultural influences. Jeremiah chapter 35, verses 1 through 19. And the message is entitled, Faithful Obedience. We want to look at the example of the faithful obedience by the Rechabites. Now, the origin of the Rechabites, they were Kenites by descent. And they're related to the father-in-law of Moses. If you remember back, uh, Moses left Egypt and he married a, a Bedouin young girl. And his father-in-law was a Kenite. Okay? And that's a relationship. They were not the people of God. But they had a relationship and a connection to the people of God. This is important. Now, notice secondly, verse 3 through 5, Jeremiah brought the uh, Rechabites into the temple. In verse 3, the individuals are listed for us. Jezaniah, the son of uh, Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah. There's a couple of names, you can have kids. Jabazaniah means Yahweh hears. Now, the names are important. These guys are obedient, they're faithful, okay? Yahweh hears. Habazaniah means light of Yahweh. His brothers and all his sons are mentioned, they're included. But these guys are believers. And in verse 4, Jeremiah brought them into the house of the Lord. Jeremiah then said that he set before the Rechabite bowls full of wine and cups and told them, listen, drink wine. The commitment to obey of the Rechabites was being tested. Their character was about to be revealed. Who they really were. Notice, secondly, when we move to verse 6, down to 11, we have the confirmation declared by the Rechabites to continue to obey, to abstain from wine. It was a reaffirmation of their faithful commitment to obey their earthly ancestral father's command not to drink wine. Listen to them. But they said, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall drink no wine, you nor your sons, forever. Their commitment was much like the Nazarite vow, who couldn't drink wine. You find that in Numbers chapter 6, verse 1 through 21, the Nazarites. Now notice in verse 7. They had been in the past and were committed in the present to continue to live, listen, a simple lifestyle. A simple lifestyle. It was a reaffirmation of their faithful commitment to the past 
and the present to continue in that commitment with that simple lifestyle. Nothing to change for these guys. You shall not build houses, sow seed, plant vineyards, verse 7 says, nor have any of these. But all your days you shall dwell in tents that you may live many days in the land where you are sojourners. This was not Yahweh's command. It doesn't say that. This was the, the command of their father, Jonadab. So these guys are not even doing anything God required. They're just being faithful and honorable to their father on earth. Their ancestral father. They had obeyed, verse 9 says, to not build houses for themselves to dwell in, nor did they have vineyards, fields, or seeds. They had not been tempted by the comforts of the city life, in other words. They were content. Look at verse 10. They had dwelt in tents. They had obeyed and done according to all that John and Dab, their father, commanded them. The word but makes the sharp contrast between the two lifestyles. This other lifestyle is available, but we've denied it. Out of what? Out of obedience. Look at verse 11, thirdly. The explanation of the Rechabites for being in Jerusalem is communicated here. Because at this point, it could be said, well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying all this, but what are you doing in Jerusalem? <laughs> Their presence in the city of Jerusalem was due to the present war condition of Nebuchadnezzar coming up in the land. They said in verse 11 there. Come, let us go up to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and for the fear of the army of the Syrians. I thought you said Babylon was the one. Yes, but everybody else, Syria and everybody else was under the command now of Babylon. Even as the Lord told Yahweh to put the wooden yokes over his neck for all those Gentile nations that they were going to be under subjugation to Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar's army comprised all those other empire soldiers. Now, they had committed themselves to obedience, but they weren't fools either. They saw that a vow is to be kept. But when a vow is going to endanger your life, then it's stupid to keep it, right? And here they recognize, that, listen, we're here because of necessity. Because of survival. The reaffirmation of your commitment in mind to obey the word of God must be examined properly. In other words, it must not be confused with legalism. The Rechabites here is not teaching us to be legalistic, okay? The teaching of the Rechabites often is used by extreme Pentecostal movements to live an ascetic life. You don't drink certain things, you don't eat certain things, you deny yourself a lot of things, and legalism. But this was a vow by choice, okay? It's nothing that God prescribed. Extreme Pentecostal churches teach that women are not to wear pants, according to the scriptures, but if you examine the text in Deuteronomy, it's a woman who wants to impersonate a man, to pass herself off as a man. That's the prohibition. Not that she cannot wear pants. They say that a woman should wear a dress up to her neck and down to her, to her ankles. No makeup. No jewelry. And they use text out of their context. That's not what the Bible teaches. For certain, you can do all these things and you can be a rotten sinner. Because God looks at your heart. Now, I presume I don't have to expound that we're to be modest in our dress and we're to know how to conduct ourselves. Often it's used for self-righteousness. And it's almost saying, well, I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't go out with girls who do. 
And what you do is you exalt yourself. Now, again, you know as a Christian, we can't go out and get drunk anymore. We don't go out and fornicate anymore. We don't go out and steal. We used to do those things, okay? We don't do that anymore. Why? Because we know it's wrong. Now, if you feel greater restriction on your liberty, the Bible says you have faith, have it to yourself in Romans 14, 22. In other words, let me, let me give you, there's gray areas that we can have. Some of you may feel free to have TV in your house. Some people don't have a TV in their house. And I certainly am not going to try to change their mind. I'll tell them what the Bible teaches, but it's their choice, right? But be careful that if you don't have a TV that you say, oh, you used to have a TV. Oh, yeah, when I was a carnal Christian, I used to have one too. Okay, be careful, huh? Self-righteous, okay? The Bible says nothing in it. Now, when you're watching stuff, you shouldn't watch him, all right? But you have faith, have it to yourself. That has nothing to do with salvation, you understand? In fact, um, there was nothing wrong with living in the city, having houses, cultivating vines. But it's a vow they took to themselves. So there's nothing wrong with material things in and of themselves. The trouble is with living to be rich and the love of money corrupting that. In fact, Paul in 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10, he says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptations and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith. In their greediness have pierced themselves through many sorrows. Many have strayed from the faith. He's not talking about non-believers. He's talking about people who are in Christ who get straight away on things, okay? Now, the reaffirmation of your commitment and mind to obey God's word must be verified always by the context. So we're talking about legalism as a teaching. No, because Paul the Apostle speaks about in Romans 14, 1 through 6, that we're to receive one another, even those who are weak in the faith, and not to doubtful disputations. For one believes that one may eat all things, but... Those who are weak eat only vegetables. Let him, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who does eat. For God has received him. Who are you to judge another man's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand. For God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems another day alike. Let each be fully convinced in their own mind. He who observes the day, observe it to the Lord. And he who does not observe it the day, to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord. He who gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not give thanks and gives God thanks. Romans 14, 1 through 6. So in other words, you have the liberty. You want to be a vegetarian? Have your veggies. It's healthier. You like it? Have at it. Someone else doesn't? Leave them alone. In fact, Paul the Apostle, as you know, writing to the Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 through 24, goes on to speak about also Sabbath days, new moons and Sabbath days. And again, the whole legalism that the Jewish community was trying to bring in. And towards the end, he says, Therefore, if you died in Christ from the basic principle of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations? Listen, listen. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. Which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body. Here's the key. But are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Listen, you can eat your veggies and when you go to sleep, you can have a dream of a pork chop. <laughs> because you're a sinner and you like me. Do you understand? Okay. So, don't be self-righteous. The confirmation declared by the Rechabites to continue to obey was unshakable. 
Notice lastly here. The instruction applied to Judah by the example of the Rechabites having obeyed. And you cannot miss it. This is the application. Verse 12 through 19. Notice verse 12 through 17 first. The object lesson from the Rechabites is given by God himself. Verse 12. The word of the Lord at that time came to Jeremiah. For Yahweh was about to use this example, the Rechabites, to rebuke and teach Judah on obedience. Verse 13, the prophet Jeremiah is told by Yahweh to go and to tell the men of Judah that the inhabitants of, in the heavens of Jerusalem, listen, will you not receive instructions to obey my word, says the Lord? My word. It implies their ongoing rebellion and disobedience to God. We've seen it through the entire book. The one speaking to them was who? The Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. The one that was going to knock them off. The one that was going to bring destruction and doom upon them. Verse 14, Yahweh contrasts the obedience of the Rechabites to their earthly ancestral father, Jonadab. Here's the key. To the disobedience of Judah to their heavenly father, Yahweh. The teaching is from the lesser to the greater. These guys are obeying their earthly fathers. I'm your heavenly father. You're disobeying me. And yet I have risen early to speak to you. And you guys are like this. You don't listen. Verse 15, Yahweh also sent his servants, the prophets, to turn them from their sin. Repentance. These prophets also rose up early. They said, Turn now everyone from their evil way. Their evil way, the present sin they're in. Evil is anything that goes against God. Amend your ways. Turn around. Repentance. And do not go after other gods to serve them. Their sin, their lifestyle, their choice was the outgrowth of what they deemed the most valuable in life. Whatever they were worshiping, whatever they were living for. What is the master passion of your life? That's what you worship. That's your God. That's my God. And that will dictate my life, where I put my energy, where I put my dedication, where I put my obedience. Notice in verse 15 still, they promise blessings here in view of their turning, the prophets. Then you will dwell in the land which I have given you and your father. So God wanted to bless them. God was looking for repentance. God's not looking for castigation and just wiping people out. He's looking for repentance. Which of us as fathers and mothers are just waiting? Like, wow, I hope my kid doesn't obey me. I want to smack him. I haven't smacked someone in a long time. We don't want to do that. We want him to turn. Do you, do you think God's any different? You think that we're better than God? They refuse to obey. But you have not inclined your ear nor obey. Listen, me. And you can follow the whole book of Jeremiah. It's constant. Now notice verse 16 and 17. Yahweh summarizes the contrast as the final verdict of Judah's guilt. Verse 16, the Rechabites had obeyed their earthly father while Judah had disobeyed who? Heavenly father. He summarizes it. This is the bottom line. Surely the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandments of their father which he commanded them. But this people has not obeyed me. And then in verse 17, the judgment was sure and coming as a consequence. The word of the Lord Came to them, and the word therefore there is a concluding word, as you know. In view of their disobedience, God would bring the previous declared doom on Judah and all of Jerusalem. Listen, God is a God of His word. He cannot lie. He will bring things to pass. 
The one fighting against them was the captain of the armies of heaven. Again, it's repeated over and over again through this chapter. The God of Israel. He would bring all this manner of evil upon them. The reason? I have called to them, but they have not answered. But they have not answered. Not that they were deaf, but they refused to answer in obedience to what God had clearly communicated to them. You as parents know how angry you get when your child hears clearly and he disobeys. The lesson from the lesser to the greater. Notice secondly here in verses 18 through 19. The reward of the Rechabites is stated now. The instruction and application has been given to Judah. Now he goes to the Rechabites. Verse 18, Jeremiah pronounces the blessings on the Rechabites. The blessing is to the entire house of the Rechabites. The one promising is Yahweh again, the captain of the armies of heaven, the God of Israel. The Rechabites had pleased the captain of the armies of heaven. That's good. The same captain of the armies of heaven that was going to judge Judah and Jerusalem is the same one who is going to bless Rechabites for their obedience. And so Jeremiah in verse 19 proclaims that the captain of the armies of heaven, the God of Israel, promised that Jonadab, the son of Rechab, would not lack a man to stand before him. Listen, forever. They obeyed the command of their father on earth forever. God would bless them now forever. That's pretty good. This is not referring to the priestly office or the kingly office or the prophetic office, though it's used often. But he's talking about them always having a place of service before the people of God serving Yahweh. That's what he's talking about. What an amazing rebuke to God's people from those who were not the people of God, but mere descendants of the Kenites. What a rebuke. It is so evident that the lack of chronology at this point is by the order of God. Because in the previous chapter, though there are years between the two chapters, Zedekiah and Jehoiakim, look at the contrast. In the previous chapter, they made a covenant with their slaves to release them, to give them freedom, hoping that God would intervene for them. The Egyptian army came along. Babylon left off the siege and went after the Egyptians. They said, oh, great, God has heard us. And then they went out and they brought their servants back into servitude. They made a covenant in the temple. They broke it. They disobeyed. This chapter, the Rechabites, their father made a covenant with them. They with him. They obeyed over 250 years. The contrast, you can't miss it. The Israelites made a covenant and broke it. The Rechabites made a covenant and kept it. The Israelites were unfaithful to their covenant and the oath of God. The Rechabites were faithful to the covenant and the oath they made. The Israelites were disobedient. The Rechabites were obedient. Nothing can substitute obedience in your life and mine. Listen to Proverbs 5, 13 through 14. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. I was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Listen, you can be in church every Sunday and destroy your life through disobedience. You can even be used of God. You can be a pastor and destroy your life because of disobedience. Each of us must be prepared and ready in the Word of God and by the Word of God in prayer, in the filling of the Holy Spirit, 
to obey. No other way. Paul the Apostle put it this way, 2 Corinthians 10, 5 through 6. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts against itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What do you think? You carry your thoughts, you bring them to captivity. Do you do good warfare? Do you fight the good fight? Or do you just give up? The promise to each of us as children of God is very, very clear. We are told that God will never allow us to be tempted Above the ability to endure it, but with every testing, give us the way of escape. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I love that verse and I hate that verse. I love it because it gives me hope. I know that whatever comes into my life, I can run to God and He will be sufficient. I hate that verse because when I don't rely on God, I've got no excuse for my failure. You understand? In fact, Paul tells Ephesians, when he comes to the end of chapter 6 with the armor, he says, Finally, my brother, be strong, Lord, in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God. And having done all to stand, you end up standing. And he goes on to put on the armor, the helmet, the boom, 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 everything else. He ends up with prayer. You see, that's our only hope. We're in a warfare. Here's the two choices. To disobey or to obey. It's bottom line. God is still looking for Rechabites today who will obey in the midst of a compromising and self-deceived world and church. Do you realize that when Nehemiah came back about 150 years later to rebuild the temple and the walls of the city? And he makes a list in chapter 3 about the different places that everybody was working in the city. Do you know who we find in verse 14 of chapter 3 of Nehemiah? A Rechabite. God said, you're always going to have a man to stand before me, a Rechabite. You know where he's at? He's in the dung gate. The refuge gate. Where all the excrement, all the trash, all the stinky stuff, all the rubble. That's where he's at. Now, the Rechabite was not saying, you know, this is not fair. This is not politically correct. 150 years ago, we were commanded by Jeremiah and Yahweh. And I don't think I should be working at this thinking gate. I think I should be in a better place. No, no. A Rechabite, listen. A Rechabite works and serves where God puts him. He doesn't call attention to himself. He doesn't say I deserve better. He just obeys. You understand? He just obeys. What an amazing lesson of a faithful servant who sees himself as privileged and honored to serve and to obey the king in heaven. The instruction applied to Judah by the example of the Rechabites having obeyed is for us also. The faithful obedience of the Rechabites laid out for us these three simple stages. The testimony is incredible. The temptation offered to the Rechabite to disobey with the real one. The confirmation declared by the Rechabites to continue to obey was unshaken. And the instruction applied to Judah by the Rechabites as an example, having obeyed, is for us. May the number of the Rechabites increase. May God bless us with them. As I believe He has, may He increase our number. Pastor Xavier Reed.
grace, ending our simple truth study with a challenge to serve as an example of obedience to God, despite the temptations of contemporary culture, as the Rechabites of Jeremiah chapter 35. And just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple Truth Study titled Faithful Obedience are available on CD for only $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is simply Faithful Obedience. Or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then be back for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 